This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's OBHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Back on our show is one of my favorite guests. He has a knack for spotlighting the many ways dogs can make us better humans while still scaring the bejeebers out of us each time we turn the page of one of his many, many best-selling books. And he's here today to talk about his newest thriller. It stars a canine hero named Kip and a young boy named Woody. The book is called Devoted, and it is being unleashed everywhere on April 1st. No fooling. Please give pause and applause to one of the world's best-selling authors of all time, the one and only Dean Kuntz. Welcome back to our show, Dean. Well, thanks for having me there. All right. Well, hey, folks, Dean and his new book, I'm going to want you to get your pause on that. And uh, we're going to talk more about what this book is all about after we pay for the show by taking this quick commercial break. So you guys know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zmox ear care products offer soothing relief, and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zmox at Z-Y-M-O-X gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the All Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Yes, I'm excited because back on our show for the third time is New York Times bestselling author, Dean Kuntz. Although he has sold zillions, well, that's my count, of fiction books that send a chill up and down your spine, he's also one of the world's best friends to dogs. Now, Dean, you may or may not recall this, but back about nine years ago, we did a show with you when I was still living in Oceanside, California, and you were at the Canine Companions for Independence. I love that place. 
And you said a quote that sticks with me. Now, if I was into tattoos, it would be all over my body. And (laughs) your quote was, dogs are beauty without vanity. Please elaborate. Well, dogs are innocent and uh, they are beauty without vanity, strength without aggression. And they're only aggressive when aggressed against. And human beings should be so good. But uh, dogs are what we ought to be. And that's sort of the point of uh, devoted. It's comparing the deceit and the lies of which humans are capable and the complete in capability of lying of which dogs are capable, although sometimes they can work you pretty well if you get what they want. (laughs) Treats, treats, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you've been a novelist for many, many years, and we're going to get into the pages of Devoted, and I did read it. I don't want to do any spoilers, and the good thing is this show is recorded, so you can stop me in my tracks if I say something that shouldn't be done, but I need to get a little context here if we could, Dean, and that is the names of Trixie, Anna, and now Elsa, and the impact these three have had on your writings. Well, all three were dogs that were trained by canine companions for independence to be assistance dogs for people with severe disabilities. Trixie, our first, was actually in service until she had an elbow problem and had to be taken out and find a new home at the age of three. And she utterly transformed us, uh, transformed our lives. Uh, easiest example I can give of that is I used to work till 6, 6.30 every day or six days a week and then have dinner. And from the first day Trixie came into our lives, she came around my desk, a corner of my desk, and looked at me at 5 till 5. And <laughs> if I didn't stop working at 5, she would come over and put her cold nose under my wrist and throw my hand off the keyboard. And she did this every single night for a week until I found it hysterically funny. And I stopped working at 5 o'clock, and I've never gone past 5 o'clock. Now, I will get up earlier sometimes to get the work done. But she did teach me that life was more than that. And the second wonderful dog we had was Anna, who came to us after, I think she had 22 months of training out of 24. And they finally, they couldn't break her out of being distracted by birds. And when when you're an assistance dog, tethered to a wheelchair, perhaps, you don't want to go chasing after birds uh, with your occupant. (laughs) I can see the wheels here now. All right. And then we got Elsa, who is our current, and you know they all have their own personalities. Elsa failed out after 21 months because, quote, she would rather cuddle than work. And I said, that's perfect. And they're all golden retrievers, right? They're all golden retrievers, yes. All right. Well, I think with the case of Trixie and folks, uh, wonderful books. There's a whole line of books. Go to DeanKoons.com, Amazon, wherever you want to go. But Trixie, life is good. Bliss to you. I mean, there's a lot of good books. Ask Anna, Advice for the Furry and Forlorn. I'm waiting for Elsa's book to come out. I hope it doesn't have any word like frozen in the title there, Dean. (laughs) No, I I think two dog writers in the family have been enough. Elsa's decided, no, she's not following that route. All right. So you have been able to blend fiction and nonfiction masterfully. And let's talk about Devoted. It's a one-word title, but boy, a lot of things are going on. And I want to kind of help tee it up and then you keep going. But 
There's a dog named Kip. There's a thing called the Mysterium, folks. There's a boy named Woody who's don't underestimate him. There's some bad guys. Um, one of my favorite sentences in your whole book, just to prove I actually read the book, Dean, because <laughs> I as a writer too, is on page 344. And it's all the bad guys are in the room and there's some dogs coming down and I'm not going to give away all the things, but I love this. Big bitches and big sons of bitches, enough teeth for 10 nightmares. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> Talk about that. How'd you come up with that sentence? That was awesome. Well, that's from the point of view of one of the bad guys. And uh, uh, whenever I'm writing bad guys, and I can write some pretty scary ones, right. uh, I never want to glamorize evil. So I always kind of make their points of view written such that you recognize they're really fools because the choice of evil is a foolish choice. It can work in the short run. It never works in the long run. And to avoid glamorizing an evil character, I make them unaware of the fact that they're kind of funny uh, yeah. and stupid in a kind of amusing way. That doesn't make them any less scary. Very evil people can be stupid and just as dangerous. So, But it takes a little of the shine off them, and I do that on purpose. I love that. I love that. Now, this is uh, the novel is about a widow named Megan, 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 and her son Woody. You want to kind of take over the reins a little bit to yeah. let people know why they should go out and well, they can't go out anymore. Thank you, coronavirus. Why they can order on Amazon and pick up the box wearing um, gloves and then use sanitizer. Yeah, and uh, well, Megan is devoted to her son, Woody, who is autistic boy of 11, has never spoken in his life. And Woody, however, is uh, quite a genius. He's got an IQ of 186. And his father died in an accident, except Woody is pretty sure it wasn't an accident. And he's been researching it online. And during his researches, has come into the dark web and come to the attention of the wrong people. So Megan and her son don't realize that people are alerted to what he's doing and may be coming for them. But there's also another very bad guy, I won't get into that too much, coming after Megan. And at the same time, they have a, an ally, a potential ally they don't know is out there. It's a dog named Kip, a golden retriever, of course. Of course. Kip, I'm so predictable. And what Kip is, is what I'm writing about in this book, that after 100,000 years of dog-human bond, dogs have been evolving. And th there's a lot of science shows this to be true. Their intelligence is evolving. Their bond to us gets ever tighter. And I propose that there is living among us in this book something that calls themselves the Mysterium. They're yes. dogs of a higher order of intelligence. They don't know where they came from. And what the book proposes is they're simple, simply the act of evolution. And they look for their meaning in their lives and they communicate by telepathy. And that seems a little out there to some people, but I say it's in nature everywhere. When an elephant dies, elephants come from 100 miles around to mourn the corpse. And how do they know that one has died? It certainly isn't that they have elephant radio or elephant newspapers. And if you've ever watched a great flock of birds suddenly shift direction, every single one of them at the same instant, that is an instinct. That is some form of communication. So I'm assuming these dogs that are of higher order have that among themselves. And one day, this boy, Woody, at his peak of distress, is picked up by Kip, who hears him on this telepathic system, which the dogs call the wire. 
And it's the first human that any of the dogs have ever heard speaking telepathically. And Kip sets out to find this boy and, and, and knows he's in some kind of deep trouble. And so the worlds of the humans in the story and the worlds of these dogs come together. And there are many surprises beyond this. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. No, no, but I do want to, I have to have a little fun. One of the dogs from the Mysterium, Bella, you call it a Bellagram? <laughs> yeah, the, the dogs, uh, you know, it's like sometimes they may not be listening. And, and so they have formed this thing that one of them has volunteered to always be alert to what's going on on the wire and to summarize the important stuff for the other dogs. And her name okay. is Bella, <laughs> and she calls her little telepathic summaries Bellagrams. So. I like that. I like that very much. I think with this book, I know you've had dogs in other books, but how has this maybe impacted you? What inspired you to do this book? It's, uh, you know, I've, for now that I'm on my third golden and, uh, and can't imagine why I ever lived without a dog for so many years, with each one of them, I've become increasingly fascinated with their intelligence and their perceptions. And, you know, if you go back 30 years ago, scientists said dogs have none of our emotions. We just assume they do, that we anthropomorphize them. But they also said dogs' intelligence was only of a certain level. That's all turned on its head. They now oh, yeah. know that dog emotions are very like ours. Their brains light up in the same pattern ours do, according to the same stimulus. Their intelligence, their brains may be smaller, but that doesn't always guide level of intelligence. And uh, we're seeing that they're more intelligent than we thought. And, you know, when I was starting out in writing, I had a, well, not starting out, but when I was first a bestseller mm -hmm. and the career looked to be growing, I had a publisher tell me that I had to stop using such a large vocabulary. I had to cut it down to 500 words what? or my bestselling career would never advance. <laughs> this is sort of the attitude of a lot of New York publishers about the rest of the country. And I refused to cut my, I said, my readers are smart and I know they're smart and I get their mail, I meet them at signings and I'm not going to worry about this. But as the years passed and I got dogs and I realized the average assistance dog probably knows 300 words. And with my first dog, Trixie, I was able to teach her the names of all her toys. This was an elephant. This was a bear. This was another dog. And I would say the word, get your elephant, and she'd go running and get the right toy. And at one point, I'm sure she was past 400 words. So I would like to meet that publisher again and say, hey, I have <laughs> dogs with 500 words vocabulary. So. You know, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to look for guidance, but you got to listen to your inner voice, right? Yep, absolutely. It's, uh, and that's sort of where Devoted started in my mind, was just watching Elsa and, and how, how intuitive she is, but beyond intuition, how she, she relates, how quickly she picks up words and, uh, and acts on them. And uh, because she's our third, I was more attuned to that even than on the first two. And that got me to thinking about what if it's the destiny of men and dogs and human beings and dogs, rather, to one day be joined in a way that we almost only dream about. And that's where this story accelerated, that since dogs can't lie, and the dog, Kip in the story, says dogs can't lie, we don't know why we can't, but we can. Yeah. And they don't deceive, but human beings do. So a world in which dogs and humans become almost equals intellectually and emotionally and uh, spiritually 
would become a world in which lying is on its way out and deception is on its way out. Oh, I don't man. take I you there. That. In, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. And, and that's where the book kind of is going eventually to take you, that, that suggestion that that's where all this is headed. But for the meantime, it's all about the story of this threatened family and the dogs that come to their rescue. Well, I would love to see the day that deception would be booted out of the planet. That would be that would be very, very nice. And, you know, you see things, Dean, like, you know, what is it? I, uh, stupid coffee mugs where you you wag more, bark less. and But these are all really hidden, powerful gems to how to behave. I mean, there's more and more research and more work being done. You do things with the Canine Companions for Independence. A lot of the folks are benefiting dogs that then these people may have a physical limitation, but there's also a lot of work being done on the cognitive side for folks that have PTSD or they have epilepsy or other kinds of conditions. And you want to talk a little bit about that because dogs, damn it, they know us. You don't, I don't even, I can just look at my dog Kona, who's a, a therapy dog who helps me teach vet approved pet first aid classes. I can just look at her and she gets me and she, I can, without even doing a symbol, she knows when to come to me. And you can't say that's just lucky, right? No, it isn't. And I remember that the first time I saw uh, Canine Companions for Independence started training, socializing dogs for, among other people, autistic children. And I can remember the first class that we went to, graduating class of people who had received assistance dogs. And the first one I went to where one of them was an autistic boy. And they had film of how his how difficult he was. His mother actually had to keep him sort of on a sort of a halter leash mm-hmm. because she had to take him with her. If she didn't have the resources, she had to keep him with her when she went grocery shopping. And the nightmare of getting him through a supermarket when he would have, you know, two exuberant reactions or even meltdowns. And then after two weeks of training with this socializing dog, they showed him going through the same supermarket with the mother. And it was a world of difference. It was astounding. And it's been fascinating to me that the very act of having a dog trained to help socialize, to recognize when emotions are going off the rails, and to just offer support, how that impacts somebody with autism. The child still has autism, but a great deal of the unpleasant behavior goes away. And that was also part of the inspiration of this book for having Woody be this locked-in autistic boy who has great potential, but it's, it's hidden because he's never spoken. And to show what a dog could do for him was a sort of secondary part of this, not only save him from the bad guys, but open him to the world. That sounds great. Hey, folks, we're speaking with Dean Coons. Yep, the guy that's, I think you're on the top 15 of all best-selling authors. I don't know, it shifts up and down all the time, but you're up there. And uh, he has got a new book out called Devoted. What are you doing right now in this wonderful time? Go get his book. Just order it on Amazon. And uh, you, as I have, will be delighted by the messages that are being delivered and the impact that dogs can make on our lives. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. So sit and stay. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash. Right after these messages. Pause up, everybody. It's Arden here. I've got a cat confession about my feline foodie, Casey, the orange tabby. Love the guy, but 
we now have to put all the food we've prepared for dinner into the microwave if we want to enjoy a civil meal in the living room without him stalking the kitchen and helping himself. You know, that's some stuff I can live with. What I can't deal with is a smelly litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump and Seal. It clumps tight around odor and destroys it for a seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home, Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zmox ear care products offer soothing relief, and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zmox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Lily Tomlin, and I invite you to listen to the Old Behave Show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Old Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, Dean, about uh, nine years ago, we met, and one thing that also impressed me about you is your kegels. My You're like, kegel. Yeah, your kegel ability. All right, tee it up. Here we are. We're at Oceanside, California, which is in San Diego, and I lived there for 15 years before I moved to Dallas. Dean, I moved to Dallas because my family needed me to be out here, and then I ended up getting married, so... Since we've met, I've been married. What do you think? And we have a furry Brady Bunch. We combined our pets and we all get along. But anyway, back nine years ago, people were lining up to get copies, autographed copies at the Canine Companion for Independence that is uh, named in your honor with you and your wife, Gerda, because you've done a lot to help the cause. And you were signing, I believe it was the Bliss to You, the Trixie book. And you sat there. There was this huge line. And you sat there, and I think it was like four, four and a half hours. You never got up and took a break. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, he's either not drank any water for the last three days, he's got a diaper on, or he's doing kegels. So that was, you sure impressed me. <laughs> well, I, I always categorized myself for a sign. <laughs> but, you know, that means a lot because some people can be full of themselves, but, uh, I was waiting for you to switch hands. You had been writing so many books. Back in the day when I did more signings, uh, the first time we ever showed up for a signing, I mean, they were growing in numbers fairly radically quickly. But I remember the first one, I showed up in front of a bookstore and there were 2,000 people in line. And I went, oh my. <laughs> the owner of the bookstore was literally sweating in dread about this. 
and said, you know, you're supposed to be here for two hours and you can't sign all these people in two hours and I don't know what we're going to do because, you know, we had we had some, I won't give a name, some writer walked out of a large crowd and it got ugly. And I said I would never walk away. And I've done signings that go from five at night to one in the morning. And it's very sweet. I mean, it's uh, people don't come up to you and say, I hate your work and spit on your shoes. They come up and tell you, You've done something wonderful that's helped them in their lives, and or at least entertained them a lot, and uh, and that's priceless. That's I came from a very poor house and a dysfunctional house because my dad was a violent alcoholic who couldn't hold a job, and books were the thing that saved me. Uh, they showed me not only a way to escape that house, but how other people lived. And when you're young, you think all families may be like this, but then I realized through books they weren't. And if if I can give that back to somebody, that's the greatest thing. I could have stopped financially. I've had no need to do this for many years. But emotionally, for the way it affects people, I still want to do it, and I still enjoy doing it more than ever. So I'm never going to get up from a signing and walk away. It's, uh, it's just uh, it's, it's too exciting and sweet. Oh, that is so well said. And I know you're talking about your days when you were in Pennsylvania. And is it true you used to be a high school English teacher? I worked in the Appalachian Poverty Program for a year, tutoring children, and then I taught English for a year and a half in another uh, school district. And I was selling short stories and a couple of paperbacks and not making a lot of money, but having some success. And that's when my wife said, I'll support you for five years, and if you can't make it in five, you'll never make it. And I, of course, tried to negotiate her up to seven, but, but she's got Sicilian blood, so she wins every negotiation. And uh, and at the end of five years, she was able to quit her job and go to work taking care of all the financial side of ours. And she has sometimes said that was a mistake because when she worked for other people, it was only 40 hours a week. <laughs> oh, what was she doing before you guys, you and Gerda came on Team Dean? Well, she, her background is in accounting and she oh. worked in banks. Okay. Uh, But she did everything. When we moved into the Appalachian Poverty Program, she had a job in a shoe factory and got on a bus every morning with other women, was Mm -hmm. taken over the mountain to the shoe factory and back. So she's always been the kind of person that if she isn't doing something, she figures she will be bored to death. So uh, she (laughs) likes to work. How All right. How long have you guys been married? We were married 53 years on October 15th last. So Nice, nice. So you know the question, what keeps you going? We both have the same sense of humor. She has vast tolerance for male stupidity. I think that should be a t-shirt. And <laughs> those are two of the biggest things, I think. But yeah, a lot of, uh, we both came out of poor families. We have a lot of the same background and uh and it's just we have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And I think that gets you through everything. And almost one of the big things I've seen in life is, and I think any dog would agree with this, you have your downs, but uh, no matter what, if enough time passes, everything has humorous aspects to it. And most stuff, even as it's happening to you, you can see a funny side to it. And if you have that, nothing ever destroys you. Well, I think that's a good fitting comment for these times. And I know I'm sounding like potty humor. I don't know what's wrong with me, Dean. But one of my favorite posts I saw on Facebook was a bakery that has created beautiful, delicious cupcakes that look like toilet paper rolls and piles of you know what. And they're selling like hotcakes. 
<laughs> so, I mean, can you give any words of wisdom? If dogs could rule the world right now in this crazy pandemic, what do you think they might do? I think now I could get in trouble for this, but I would say, dogs would say, turn off the news. Uh, Good. It's all hysteria and it's making this worse, not better. Right now, it's, it's a terrible disease, but it's only a little worse than the flu. And we get through the flu every year, but this constant thumb beat of hysteria is not good. And it makes people more frightened than they really need to be. And I think any dog would take that attitude. And I think there's a lot of bonding going on, don't you think? I mean, a lot of people are like, dang, I have to be home, but I'm home with my dog. Or, hey, power to the cat. I have cats and I think they're intuitive too. They just don't want everybody to know it. But what do you think uh, the, the silver lining might be if you're, if you're homebound with a dog or a cat these days? I think that, and with the dogs, with cats, with your family, with whoever gives you time to use the time in a way to uh, get closer with everybody because it's a time to be social distancing from people you don't know, but not necessarily <laughs> from the people closest to you. Yeah. And uh, that now my problem, I love cats, but I am so allergic that if I walk into a room with a cat, I oh. go into anaphylactic shock. Really? Uh, so wow, I, I yeah, yeah, I love cats, but cats are trying to kill me. So I have to keep my <laughs> Well, I won't bring a uh, pet safety cat, Casey and Orange Tabby over to see you. <laughs> I promise. Well, All if right. you do, I'll know what you really think of me. Oh, so. Well, I think you rock. I think you're possum. And I really have enjoyed having you on our show. Again, folks, please get your paws on Dean Kuntz's latest book. It's called Devoted. And check out his website real easy, deankuntz.com. I think that one of the things I love was the tribute you did for Trixie years ago. You said, I write books for a living, but it took a dog to teach me what living was all about. In the end, she taught me about dying, too, and how to let go of something you couldn't imagine going on without. She was an inspiration. She restored our sense of wonder. You do a thing called T-O-T-O-S. Did I do that right? Tell us about that. Oh, yeah, I did that for a while. Trixie on the other side, T-O-T-O-S. And it was in our newsletter, I wrote uh, Trixie explaining what it's like over there in part and also offering advice to us on this side. And uh, that, that was very popular for a while. And it was, it was kind of fun to do. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? You've been a wonderful guest. <laughs> well, you're a wonderful interviewer. So it uh, uh, goes both ways. I often say if the interviewer is not bad, you're not any good. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, kind of important to read your book and do your homework, right? What do you think? That's, uh, not, a, that's not hard to do, right? That was something I didn't understand in high school and college, but I've gotten it as I got older. All right. Well, I think you've succeeded very, very well. Give my best to Gerda and Elsa from all of us here at the Pet Life Radio Network. And everybody at this time also, I want to give a big shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the Wizard of Paws. He has enabled uh, Pet Life Radio to be the number one most listened to pet radio network on the planet. Uh, hopefully we'll get to Mars or some other place someday. Who knows? But we can dream. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. 
From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.